Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. We are here today with episode number 18 of Two Developers Down Under. I'm here today with my usual partner in crime, the impertinently ingenious Kai Koenig. How are you doing today, Kai? I'm doing fine, Mark, and that would be me, yes. Thanks a lot yeah. for the nice introduction. That's all right, and thank you very much for making me get up at six o'clock in the morning. That's always a pleasure. You offered that actually. You know, it was we had different options to to do this recording, and you particularly supported the "oh, I can get up at six a.m. in the morning easily" option. Well, I did get up at six o'clock in the morning. It just took me a little while to wander down the stairs and get down to my computer. <laughs> but. <laughs> One of the reasons we're up this early is because we have an interesting uh, guest here today, uh, Dirk Eisman, um, all the way from Germany. Is that correct? Yeah, right. It's 8 p.m. Uh, we try and get a, a decent time for our guests to show up so that they don't feel quite as tired as I do right now. Um, I, think, I think actually Dirk is, the, is our furthest away guest so far. Really? Yeah, I think oh. so, actually. Oh, no. nice. At least you have a pretty tidy room here. Looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we're able to provide some, some decent accommodation for you. Yeah. <laughs> Through the power of the internet. Yeah, the internet. That's great. So, Dirk, I, I'm, I'm going to put this out there. Um, Kai organized you as a guest, so unfortunately, I don't know a lot about who you are. Why, okay. why we're, it's absolutely fascinating to talk to you, as I'm, as I'm sure it is. So do you want to uh, give us a bit of background on yourself and uh, tell us a bit about yeah. yourself? Before Dirk yeah. actually is doing that, we forgot one thing, Mark, because we have forgot the <gasps> thing of the day. We did. Oh, you see, I'm up early. See, that's it's what's unbelievable. going on. Unbelievable. How could you forget it? it up. It's right in front of me. <laughs> so I've got actually um, two things. Okay. You want me to start? Go right ahead. Okay, in um, 1965, the United Kingdom introduced a speed limit on all their rural roads and motorways of 70 miles per hour for the first time ever. That's quite interesting. Okay. And in 1989, the um, Brandenburg Gate in Berlin reopened after 30 years for the first time. See, the one I've got, I'm surprised that you missed, being knowing that you're uh, such an avid pilot. But in 1986, there was the first non-stop around-the-world flight. Oh, really? Yes. And uh, the other one I quite enjoyed was uh, Woody Allen marries soon in Provin, which was his adopted daughter. It is the 14th anniversary of their wedding. Yeah, I remember having heard that story a while ago. Yes. <laughs> Some of our younger members may not necessarily remember that, but uh, <laughs> we certainly do. Um, where did you find the first flight? You know, the first round the world flight on Wikipedia. I can't, I can't tell you where I find my my day to day well, stuff. You've got a different source than I, apparently. I've got I've got, oh. I've got my sources. I don't divulge my sources. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> but mine's clearly better. But that's okay. Yeah, we'll see if that's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting back to our guest. And yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As you can see, we're on a tight ship here. Amazing. Why don't you give us some background on yourself and, and, and what you've been up to and stuff? Okay, so my name is Dirk Eismann. I'm from Germany. And I'm actually a full-time, more or less, uh, Flex developer, doing Flex development um, since... 
like the very early days of Flex back in, I think it was 2004, something like that, uh, when it still belonged to Macromedia. Um, yeah, and this is uh, around the time when I met Kai um, for the first time, I think, uh, during a Max. Um, yeah, and he was like all in Flex and Cold Fusion, same as I, and the companies we both work for or where I work, still work for and Kai used to work for in Germany. Actually, we, yeah, did the same stuff like creating projects with the uh, Macromedia products back then. Yeah, um, yeah. And as you know, this all evolved. Um, and actually, I'm still with the company and still we do mainly like services around uh, Flex um, and the uh, um, like Adobe Enterprise products, which is like more or less void now. Um, but still, this is like what we did all the, in the last years. Uh, and, and among this, um, I created or tried to create some sort of like flex community in, in Germany, running a forum there and try to do as much as possible for flex because I really like the um, uh, technology, even still. <laughs> and I have pretty, uh, very much a hard time trying to, to learn all the HTML stuff. So I still try to do flex whenever I can. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, you know, flex is a quite good technology. And, you know, that hasn't changed just because the direction of Adobe has changed necessarily at the end of the day. Um, which was your first Flex version, Doc? I can't remember, actually. Was it Flex 2? Uh, no, 1. One. One, oh. 1 with the server product basically behind it. Server-side compiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think back then we sold one or two licenses and they were like 15,000 euro per CPU or yeah, that was that was pretty much the same with the company I used to work for um, back in Germany. It's like you know we got into onto Flex Flex One really early um, when it was Macromedia when it was a server based product, and um, I think all over Germany probably Macromedia at that time sold in total five or six licenses of Flex One and One Point Five. Yeah, because, three yeah it's three like. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Like three from each of our companies at that time or something like that. It's yeah, just like no one really wanted to spend that money. And I, you know, I wouldn't blame people for not wanting to do that, to be honest. Yeah. But still, I liked it uh, back then. They were like, wow, that's that's what we really need. Yeah, um, I, yeah I agree. And, you know, uh, e even now it is still a very powerful tool, basically, in terms of what it gives you. Yeah, agree. So... Um, should we maybe, I mean, the reason why we invited you or one of the reasons why we invited you to, you know, just spit that out quite early is, um, you've been one of the 30 odd people who attended, mm -hmm. um, Adobe's Flex Summit recently. Yeah. And, um, that Flex Summit was sort of an important event, I guess, for the Flex community because it was, you know, kind of... Uh, an approach by Adobe to get in touch with their community and to discuss what they want to do with regards to the future of Flex, like, you know, fully open sourcing it by, you know, giving it to Apache, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that, we're going to talk about that a bit later. Maybe we start quickly finishing up that discussion about the history of Flex a little bit to give people a context, you know, right. what's currently happening with Flex. I mean, we talked about the Flex 1 release already, mm -hmm. Where which was Macromedia, it was server-based, it was tremendously, tremendously, exp tremendously expensive. Um, so, 
I think it was still Macromedia at the time, wasn't it? Who released Flex 2. That wasn't Adobe yet. Yep, I think so. I think it was it was around must have been around somewhere like in I think it was already in 2005, I'm not sure, when when they when they bought uh, brought out uh, Flex 2. Um I'm not even sure if that was already running on ActionScript 3. I'm not I'm not It sure was maybe. actually. I'm very very sure that it was. Okay. And right. um that was a different model for the first time, right? They, it was not open source at the time, if I remember correctly, but it was free of charge. The Macromedia gave away the SDK, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And they just sold Flash Builder as a tool, and they also went away from Flash Builder being built on the Dreamweaver engine as it was in, um, you know, Flex right. One. <laughs> it was like wow. a shocking tool, by the way. It was really yeah. shocking. Um, really. Very good to the to the community, I think, because they were like, "Yeah, flex is cool. We want it, um, but please make it less expensive and don't don't have it be in server side compiler, but something that compiles on the client, like yeah, like a typical IDE or, or what a typical IDE would do, and, and don't have me uh, need to send it to a server to compile it there. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and 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 then they they said, okay, we even create a new IDE based on Eclipse and not Dreamweaver anymore. And this was like, I think where it really took off. Like, it wasn't expensive anymore. It was more or less free. I think it was free. I think it was. Really yeah, the, free. the yeah. SDK SDK was free. The IDE they that was a commercial product. I mean, Flexbuilder yeah. Two was you know a tool you had to buy. Yeah, they 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 really drove uh, innovation. I think at, at, at that time at Macromedia because um, with Flex One and One Five, you had uh, Flex being compiled as a uh, uh, Flash Swift file running on the Flash Player Seven or Eight, I think. And this was all like the old yeah. um, Script One um, virtual machine. And then because there was huge demand in terms of we need more client side power in the Flash Player. Uh, that was a point when they created the AVM2, like the new virtual machine that uh, includes ActionScript 3, like a strictly typed, more or less strictly typed um, programming language. Uh, and on top, uh, having Flex that compiles down to ActionScript. Um, yeah, and this was like a huge boost uh, in terms of like what you could build with it and in terms of performance. Um, and, and I really think that that it was actually Flex that, that drove that innovation. Um, because they really had to care about all those memory leaks and stuff that didn't work uh, so good in the Flash Player exactly. uh, at that time. Yeah. Yep. And, and realistically, yeah. when you look at the use of Flash Player before Flex was around, it was mainly, I don't know, games and video, probably. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. for, for, them, for those things, they are relatively short-lived when, when it comes to running in your, in your Flash Player VM. You you play a game for maybe twenty minutes, or you know you watch a video and then you move on to the next page with the next video and the next instance of the Flash Player. So those memory leaks were not that much of an issue at the time. But when you build apps that Good you point. know pot potentially run the full day, or even you know people don't shut down their computers and just leave it running all the time, then memory leaks all of a sudden become an issue. Yeah, yeah. Good point, actually. That's a very good point. Maybe that's the reason why they switch back to games and video now. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> that's, that's quite cynical, actually. <laughs> I was thinking very similar thoughts. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> let's not, you know, let's let's let the browser deal with all the memory leaks. That's that's just pass that off. That's okay. It's not our problem anymore. HTML5 is the future. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was Flex 2. It was free of charge, 
basically an SDK people could work with. Um, lots of people jumped on the platform and then at some point Adobe took over and bought Macromedia and Adobe, I think, released Flex 3 then. Yep. Um, and Flex 3 changed the licensing model for the first time because Flex 3 was right from the start open source, wasn't it? Mm, I think so, yeah. I think it's... Um... I guess about the year, if it was like two six or two thousand seven, I think it was two thousand seven or something like that when it when Flex three came out. Um, but yeah, that's true. They they really they they labeled it as uh, being open source, and I think it was the Mozilla uh, license they put on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you could uh, go to open source Adobe dot com uh, and just download the full package. Which included all the and still includes all the source code, at least in terms of the SDK or, uh, and, and the frameworks, like everything that was like all the source code for the action script and the MXML stuff, um, and also including I think the source code for the compiler. I'm not sure if that was in the first release as well, um, but yeah, it, mostly everything you need to. To, to compile uh, the framework by yourself was uh, included. Yeah. Uh, except the uh, stuff they, they could not open source for, like, legal... Uh, uh, where some legal issues were, were on, like, closed source stuff. Yeah, I think they had two different bundles um, of the SDK as well. There was, like, an, an open source SDK of Flex, and there was the Adobe SDK. And the Adobe SDK contained all that stuff that they couldn't open source or, you know, didn't want to open source at the time. Yeah, exactly, and and, and I think in the first uh, in the first drops of the open source SDK, uh, some parts like the um, charting components and the advanced data grid and the OLAP grid, um, that stuff in the beginning was commercial still. So you had to buy um, if, if you bought the Flex Builder IDE when it was still was called Flex Builder, not Flash Builder. Uh, you could buy it uh, in the in the Pro version, and you got the charting components yeah. with it. Yeah. Pay for them, and then later, like in two thousand eight or nine, I think it was two thousand nine, they also gave the charting components away for free because they didn't <laughs> make that much money with it, obviously. Okay. Yeah. yeah so it it um there there was a kind of a part. So they really moved more and more in the direction of like opening up everything, but there was only like only a half opening because, and this was a main drawback. I mean, you you could still grab everything and and download the full SDK, but you have had no chance to really uh, contribute something back in terms of um, oh wait, uh, there's a nasty bug and I want to fix it. So here's my patch. Um, there was no process for um, contributing back from the community. To the SDK. So, I mean, is that? Um, I mean, we can we can still it's still labeled open source. It's just not an open development model, right? I mean, that would be sort of correct to say, because from yeah. a legal point of view, it was open source. People could do whatever they want to, but exactly. the de the development was still driven by the Adobe engineering team, basically. Yeah, exactly. There was there was. Um... Hello. <laughs> Yeah, still there. Yeah, we're still here. It's all good. I had some, I don't know, some strange droppings here. I don't know. Um, yeah, exactly. So the, the development model was um, 
uh, was not uh, open because everything was like still controlled in terms of in which direction the SDK will move and um, which features will be added. Uh, I think that's fine because it was like still governed by Adobe, but the main problem really was like um, we, we, we did all projects like in-house or for customers and then every time you had like, oh my gosh, uh, this is a uh, stupid bug again and again and again and then we patched it in-house for our own like patched version of the SDK but you could not really like give it back, like tell them please fix it because they were like, okay, we know it's not working but it's only not working in this and that use case, we're not uh, caring because we have to <laughs> add new features or whatever. So, um, there was no chance that they would fix away those annoying bugs. So you had to do it by yourself. And then you have to, had to maintain your own um, patched SDK. And then when a new SDK came out, you had like the same um, bug in it again yeah. because it fixed. That's and then ridiculous. To... Yeah, I, really. I actually really? was paid once by someone from Germany to fix a bug in a currency for Meta or something for them. Uh, which currency. was... Which was a bug in a, in the SDK, um, yeah. you know, with the German um, currency format or something, mm-hmm. and um, they wanted me to fix that and pay me, you know, pretty much whatever I charge for that because they needed it so much. And I said, well, like we could change the SDK, but then you run into the same issue again in a few months, and mm-hmm. then we basically just wrote a custom currency format for them, you know, and that was the easiest solution. But you know, it's exactly that experience people have. You you find bugs in the you found bugs in the SDK, and you had no way to feed them back. And you know, even the engineering team didn't have time or process or interest to actually fix those bugs. Mm-hmm. So, from someone who was outside this process, there was no way you couldn't. I mean, there was was there an email address or anything? I mean, if you sent them to people at the engineering team, do they just fall into this black hole or what? What? What you know? What happens if you actually tried to send this back to somebody, or was there just no one to send back to? I mean, what was the what was the big obstacle there? Uh, yeah, it depends. So when you when you're like not in any of the flex like pre pre release uh, programs, yeah, like your options to to commit or contribute back were like almost like zero in the beginning because they don't, didn't even had a a public bug base. Um, and then there was no flex at adobe.com email address where you could send anything. So unless you had contacts to someone in the team or you were on the pre-release, uh, you had a at least you had a chance to to tell them, hey, come on, this is like have been have been there for like two or three versions. Could you please fix it away? Um, at least for for the non-critical issues, but those are actually the, the annoying ones in the daily yep. business. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in the end, you ended up with like monkey patching. This is what, what I uh, when I learned what monkey patching is like. You you patch SDK files and you put it in your local project, so they uh, get loaded by the compiler first, uh, and, uh, and not um, so. So you like you you're like overloading the class, yeah, like something like yeah. that. It's pretty dirty, <laughs> um, and this is like what everyone was doing, like monkey patching, monkey patching all the time. Um, yeah, not that yeah, good. That's shocking. Yeah, at least at least they they. Um, they moved on and, and they, they realized, oh dear, we need something better. And then they started using a Jira for, for um, issue tracking and then it was public so you could like uh, p- um, post your bugs there. And, and vote for bugs as well. Yeah. And vote for bugs and you could even send uh, patch files and stuff and some of those got um, included then but that was like starting two years ago or something like that. It was like not from the beginning. 
And there so were it was, uh, like it was a slow process to get that sort of happening on, on their and, side to be able to. And really, I don't want to blame them. I think it it was pretty difficult for them as a company, like to they they had to like monetize and they create a new release and and try to sell stuff and get money for it back, but they won't earn any money with the SDK, so they need to sell tools, of course, and stuff. So it's always like, uh, yeah, some guys in the team, of course, want to fix stuff, and, and maybe the engineers as well, uh, but product management says, yeah, I know, but sorry, we have to make some money somewhere where you have to concentrate on something different, of course. Um, so that's that's actually kind of interesting. I mean, if you, if you kind of break that down, I mean, they've basically built a product where their incentive really isn't to fix bugs in that product. Because that's not where they make their money. They make their money in the tool. Um, so if they if they're building new features, it's kind of you're almost like it's an interesting model. But in that model, it's it's almost setting yourself up to uh, to have problems because your incentive's not there to fix the issues that may be plaguing one percent or five percent or ten percent or even fifteen or twenty. Just because you know that's not going to sell you more tools. Exactly, and you know even within the SDK. Um there was an incentive, obviously, to build new features in the SDK, right? Like build mobile support in for Flex or build a set of new, you know, cool components rather than fixing those little bugs that, you know, happen in certain instances from Adobe's point of view. But basically, yeah. you know, the whole community was con constantly fixing those issues themselves. So I think like, yeah, you know, you could have maybe easily integrated that if you wanted to. But, the you know, the problem... Is, is definitely that um, there were no resources or not enough resources provided by Adobe to mm. interact with that community, with that open source community, and to yep. take you know to take stuff back from them. Yeah, at least they had like two. I think there were like two times, at least two, two, uh, two of I know of. Maybe there were even more. Like two years ago, or, or one and a half years ago, there was like more and more like drive and momentum in the in the community, and and um, there were like people from the US. I think started something they called a, a bug quash, something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, that one, uh, where they really said, "Okay, come on, uh, let's let's meet up with like thirty or forty passionate uh, flex developers, like external flex developers." Uh, and let's try to fix as many bugs as possible in the SDK and then give it back to Adobe. And that happened, I think, two or three times, I'm not sure. And it was, like, sponsored by Adobe because they said, yes, that's a good idea. Um, and they promoted it and they, they yeah, they crunched some some bugs and, and it, it all got committed back into the SDK, um, which was okay, but it's like, oh, dear, uh, you have to go that far to, to give something back that was... Wow. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big step to go if you want to contribute yeah. something back to an SDK. I mean, it should be an ongoing process rather than than a once-off here and there, for sure. Yeah. And and then actually they 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 started an initiative um, to, I think it was at around the time when when Deepa um, Supra Mamiam, sorry if I got it wrong, uh, she's currently or up until now she has been the. Um, a product manage, uh, manager for the Flex SDK, and she was um, And I think she started to because her background was like she was a, an engineer on the SDK team, um, and I think that was her her background um, 
um, that that led the, or that paved the route actually. Um, and she wanted to formalize the process in terms of that people are really, or that is there at least that there is a process that the community can give something back to the SDK. Um, and they, I think, the specification for this new process was even on the open source Adobe.com site, where it was like, okay, we plan to have a process where you can become a contributor or a committer, and then. Uh, or, or first a contributor for, for fixing bugs, and then you can, if you're good enough, you can even commit it, uh, stuff like that. But everything's still under review by the, uh, finally, by the by the Flex SDK team, which was still, like, a good idea. Um, I have no idea if anyone ever was accepted to be a uh, committer for the SDK. My phone is ringing. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> so that was Dirk in German actually telling someone that she's calling that person oh. back. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> what on the phone? My my mum just called me. <laughs> okay, so um, actually I uh, so they they really tried to create something um, so that the community was able to give something back, but that never never worked out i'm not sure if there was a a single person who ever was uh voted to be a a contributor for the flex sdk yeah um, i can't remember either i haven't i haven't heard of anything in that regard at least so at, I don't least, know. at least they tried yeah <laughs> and i really believe they really wanted to to get it through but for some reason it did not work out yeah mm -hmm. so that brings us pretty much to the present or sort of to the present right like What happened last month with Adobe? I mean, well, pretty much, you know, a lot of our listeners would know, but mm -hmm. they um, stopped or they announced that they're going to stop the development of the Flash Player for mobile phones. Um, and they also laid off a whole bunch of people and pretty much restructured and redirected the company to towards, let's say, you know, towards online marketing and HTML5 in general. Mm -hmm. right. So and that announcement had some sort of a quite interesting impact on Flex. Do you want to maybe mm -hmm. talk about that quickly, Doc? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So among all those <laughs> very interesting news from Adobe uh, was one uh, note that um, or, or one message from the Flex team, and the Flex team announced that they real like to to really open source the Flex SDK by giving it to a um, open source foundation, software foundation, um, which is actually the um, Apache Software Foundation. So the, the announcement was pretty huge um, and pretty irritating because at that time no one was, no one did know what it actually means and everyone was like, oh my gosh, uh, now they killed the uh, mobile player, now they're killing Flex. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> Which, you know, I, and I, th I, to be honest, I still think that's a very valid response, you know, to ask exactly that question. Because mm -hmm. um, even though I know that they didn't mean to do that, it's probably one of those, one of the worst communications I've seen in a long time from Adobe. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's like, how, it's like a lesson for how not to do it. <laughs> yeah. Please a, a friend do that. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine said like Adobe is great when it comes to doing the right things at the wrong time, basically. 
yeah, with a wrong PR and <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> broken communications. Yeah. Anyway, so so the announcement was pretty huge, and we were like really like, oh my, what's happening? It can't can't be true. And and like customers were calling us um, because it was quickly uh, sent through all the media and and technology blogs and whatnot, um, and they were like. Uh, so great so we have uh, you created this flex application for us and now uh, adobe is abandoning flex and we're like uh no <laughs> yeah but what uh, what they are doing yeah we have to find out i'm not sure <laughs> so it was really really wicked times like we had no clue uh where where, where that sh- uh, would lead us because like i mean most of our uh, business what we do at, at, at the company i work for is like Focusing all around Flex and 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 the Flash Player and and everything and and the whole ecosystem like mm-hmm. Confusion Life all the stuff and we were like like everything is like making bum and it's moving away um, yeah but but that's uh, that's not true so uh, but that was the first impression like what what's happening and everyone on Twitter and and the internet was like ah oh, everything's breaking down oh my god yeah yeah so. Um, that was um that was tough a bit of tough uh, tough times yeah and then um they really tried hard to to um uh, to fix the bad communication and to uh, to make it clearer to the community what they're really doing um but still everything that was in in the blog posts from the from the several teams was like you really got the feeling that they did not talk to each other because the one team said like, yeah, HTML5, HTML5. And the other team was like, no, no, uh, Flex is still there, you know? Uh, and it's like crazy communication problems. Yeah, right. I think it didn't really help that in one of the Flex team's blog posts, they said like, oh, you know, we believe that in the yeah. mid- midterm, like HTML5 is becoming the main player for enterprise applications. And everyone says like, well... If you believe that, why should we, you know, bother and stick with Flex then anyway? You know, why shouldn't we just like move away right now? Yeah, right. And, and especially if you know the people uh, really, and, and I, uh, some of them, I know them for years. And then and then they read like those stuff and then you're like, no, they don't really. It's not by them. It's not written by them for yeah. sure. It's like it's, their name is on it, but it's not, yeah, not from them. Yeah. For sure not. Yeah. Yeah. So um, okay, yeah, for sure. So Adobe had some some huge strategic shifts, or, or was moving in some new directions to make some new money, um, which is good, I think, for them. Uh, and in the end, it's still like um, it's still a tooling company, and they would be blind if they won't bet on the HTML5 um, train or horse or whatever. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. I mean, that yeah. would that would be a, a huge mistake if they didn't do anything on that end. Um, I wonder though if I wonder you know I'm not quite sure if Flash and Flex is going away as fast as they think it will to be Mm -hmm. honest I mean on mobile it's a totally different story but there are like still lots of use cases where I can't see HTML5 and JavaScript fitting fitting the bill for certain types of projects and certain types of applications or well you could probably do it but it would be such a pain in the butt to you know coded with those technologies versus coding it with flex yeah so so yeah fully agree so um so so for example all the stuff that we are creating is like enterprise scale applications something like that that are like used in-house and they are not like looking good but they work and and uh but the, the stuff in it like 
huge charting and data syncing and whatnot, uh, it would be really, really hard to do it that way and that um, uh, velocity uh, with, with HTML5, at least currently, and, and with JavaScript. So um, that's really huge if you're like used to Flex and everything is like integrated and you can, can create uh, great stuff uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. And if you know how to do it, and then and then you get back to this this huge world of HTML and all those brand new and not so brand new f JavaScript frameworks, and then jQuery this is not working with that and, and that version, and you have to tweak it with this one and that one, and you have to it, for like every project you have to come up with like a new workflow when you when you change some tooling, and it's always like oh crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's great because you have total freedom. Like, okay, today I use this and that, and I change my workflow and my processing in, in this direction, that direction. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, but on the other hand, I, I really love, like, when I know, okay, I have my flex, I have my SDK, I know what to do, and I say, boom, and it's compiling to my target platform like that. Um, every site has its advantages, um, but again, I also believe that... In maybe not midterm, but but in the future, that HTML and JavaScript or Dart or whatever comes around um, will be, of course, the, the technology to use or for for creating applications that scale that we currently do and then others currently building, uh, but not currently. And that was the main problem they had um, after all the, the the wrong and false messaging uh, and how to fix that. So this was like. Um, yeah, what they try to do um, yeah. with, uh, with their move to Apache as well, which is actually, when you, when you think over it, um, is like for the technology is a very good thing and probably the best Adobe could do. Um, and I, I really believe they're like, because they have some people in the Flex team that really still believe in the technology, of course, and they are not like only like seeing the dollars and how to make the dollars, but they still believe in the technology and the community. And because of those people, uh, uh, I think they fight it pretty hard to to get the okay to go that road because, of course, now they have lots of work to do to move Flex to Apache um, because there's lots of work to do under the, uh, behind the curtain, uh, like all the legal issues and stuff. Um, and that also costs money, um, but the, at least they have the feeling, um, yeah, they, they they owe something to the community or to their partners and or to the to the customers, of course, who who invested into Flex technology. Um, it could have been much worse, like Adobe saying, "Oh, yeah, uh, yeah we just stopped uh, developing, and um, yeah, here's the source code. Um, yeah, you can use it, but you cannot commit because we still own it, or whatever, something like that." Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so the move itself is. Um, Good, um, I think, um, and I really think um, there were just some... to just to clarify on that point. There, I don't think that would actually even be possible, would it? I mean, with the with the license that it's under. I mean, once it's out there, it's out there. We, there was always going to there always could be a fork of some kind mm -hmm. of the Flex project. There's no way they could say you can't touch it and can't use it because you know it's copyright to us. Because it's, as soon as it was put out under an open source license, I mean, it becomes yep. it's pretty much its own entity. Yep. So at least there is always that safety. Yeah, right. That, that's Sorry. true, and I mean, people have done that in the past. People have forked the Flex framework, and right. you know, built in their own customized stuff and bug fixes and things like that, and basically, you know, use that for further internal development. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, but but still, um, 
um, maybe that's a good 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 um, point to turn over to the to what happened uh, last week in, in, in San Francisco um, because at, at some point uh, this was way before Adobe announced it um, some guys um, created something called the spoon project um, yeah. it was like one year ago um, like Michael Labriola and Jonathan Campus uh, and other very smart guys um, and they said so it the SDK is not moving in that direction that we want, or it's not fast enough evolving. Unity cannot do anything back. So their plan was to uh, to do a fork, and they didn't want to name it a fork, they called it a spoon. Uh, and, and, and they said, okay, so we, we take the SDK and we improve it, and then we, we give it back to Adobe, and if they want it, they can merge it back to their code base, and then we have like something like a moving back and forth between Adobe and the community and try to 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 give it more more movement or, or to to make it even better and again um, Adobe was very open with that and and Deepa worked pretty um, pretty closely with the spoon project to to get that move in uh, and they did some pretty nice presentations on uh, at the MX conference on like how to improve the SDK, that everything gets gets a unit test on its own, and how to decouple all the nasty stuff, and 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 so the, the plans were pretty cool, and you really had lots of trust, or I myself had lots of trust in those people, um, yeah. And then came the announcement, like, oh, by the way, we are stopping Flex development, and we're giving it to Apache, and it was all like boom, <laughs> and everyone was like, oh my god, yeah. And then it was like three weeks ago, um, everything, everyone was still like, what's happening? Um, I got this email by Adobe um, where I was invited to go to San Francisco to the Flex Community Summit. And I was like, wow, uh, that comes unexpectedly. <laughs> Why is that happening? Why do they invite me? Um, and I was like totally crazy about it. And I was like excited and I was like frustrated because I was like, okay, that's like the funeral. <laughs> I've been invited to the Flex funeral because I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen there. Um, yeah, and over time, I got um, in contact with some other guys going there, and we were all like discussing via email, like, "What the heck? What is going to happen there?" Uh, and we all had absolutely no clue, absolutely no clue. Um, yeah, and then I went to San Francisco, um, and it became quickly clear that we'll be around like thirty people from all over the um, all over the world. Um, not only like flex community heroes or flex component gurus or flex enterprise guys uh, it was a mixture of like almost everything so there were like people working in a huge investment bank people working for multi-billion dollar us enterprises some freelancers jesse warden was there as well it was great to meet him because i never met him before um some people from the spoon project so it was a very nice mixture um very good mixture i think because um this gave me lots of insight um what other people have been doing with flex and even though i've been working with flex for like seven years now um i had no clue how how huge it is like what people are really doing with it from all sides of the scale. It was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and, and Adobe really tried to fix the the broken messaging there. So they, um, we we got some introduction, high level. This is our new strategy. Blah blah blah. Marketing stuff, which was like, yeah, yeah, we know that. But what's about flex? Um, and then they had a very open discussion. Um, said, yeah, this messaging was wrong. And some evangelists were like pushing HTML5 much much too far and where they shouldn't um stuff like that was pretty interesting um and then adobe 
showed us what the plans are actually, what it means uh, when they give it to the Apache Foundation um, and what they're not going, uh, going to do in the future and what they're going uh, to do in the future. Um, yeah, that was pretty interesting, um, especially if you talk to all the other developers there and, and you really feel that they are still very, very, very passionate about uh, Flex and moving it forward. That was pretty good, actually, because I was, yeah, not only me uh, was thinking like, oh, that's a funeral. <laughs> like. So that's that's actually interesting because, I mean, I've looked at the, um, the, the proposal on Apache for the Flex project, and I can see there's a list of initial committers, uh, some yep. of which, actually quite a few of which, are not, uh, at adobe.com I mean there, there's there's some from a variety of companies there including obviously some people from Spoon Project and, and and a variety of other people so I assume from the Flex Summit that's probably where some of those external committers came into this list is that is that the case? Not, not, not only actually so some of some of the guys those from Spoon and, and some others are uh, have been on the summit as well um, the Adobe are like Alex Harui and Carolyn Frampton are like core SDK developers and lots of the people on the on the um, committee list, like Peter Elst and some others, are actually people from the community itself. Because after the summit, um, uh, Adobe uh, called for committers, for initial committers, and they had an, a time slot until last Friday or something like that. And then they got a, a whopping reply, something like that, of 65 people applying to becoming initial committer. Um, and then they really had to roll the dice or, or pick out those uh, that they wanted in. And then I think it's now like 25 initial committers, which is quite a number for a, a new Apache project. I think it's actually 36. 36? Really? Yeah, I th think I counted it the other day, and I think I came up with 36. Because I was wondering about that, because all the initial communication was like, oh, you know, we want to have start with 12 and maybe 24. And then mm -hmm. I, th I saw that list and I thought, that's more than 24 people. Wow, you know. I've, I, I have no idea if it's good or bad, but at least it, it, it gives you an indication that people really want to get in yeah. and, and want to give back. So that's I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, totally. If Isn't there some sort of a rule or rule of thumb that in any random open source project you have like, you know, 90% of people who just consume basically and like 9% who... Are really interested and one percent who are actually participating. Hmm. Maybe nah. for sure. There, there are much more people like consuming it than, than, than giving something back. Um, it was interesting uh, during the summit. Um, there was the guy Roy Fielding, who is mm -hmm. member of of the Apache board itself, and he's. Um, right now an Adobe employee and he has been with Day Software before and Day has been acquired by Adobe mm -hmm. but he was one of the funding members of the Apache Software Foundation so he has been there for like 15 or 16 years now and he worked on the on the Apache and he still works on the Apache web server project <coughs> and, and he's a bit like he was a bit like mentoring uh, during the Flex Summit it was pretty interesting because although he's employed by Adobe, he always speaks um, as a person who is working for Apache or who is doing open source development. And he really, really tried to get this into into us that it's not Adobe anymore who is controlling or 
moving forward or doing anything with Flex, but it's it's people. It's not Adobe. Um, this is a main change, um, and this is actually how 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 uh, Apache and open source development, of course, um, in general works. Um, the main difference. For me as well, because I've been doing some open source developments, if, if you want to call it that way, on super small projects like where you have one co contributor and two committers or even only one person who's doing anything in the project. <clears throat> this, is, this is easy because like you decide yourself and you say, hey, it's open source. Um, but with the Flex SDK or any other bigger project, it's like, uh, wow, uh, you have to like somehow steer it uh, in which direction to move and stuff. <clears throat> And there was a main concern or the main question during the summit, like, who's doing the project management? Who's doing the project lead? Who is, like, prioritizing the issues and stuff? Um, and it's not defined. And actually, in the Apache model, you have no project management because actually everyone uh, could say, hey, um, I created something cool. Um, I show you. And then all the other people say, yeah, I like it or I don't like it. And they can vote on it. And if they vote on it, they can uh, they will put it in the project uh, in the product. <coughs> so that's um, that's how it works, and and um, it seems to work pretty well because like the Apache web server uh, is doing it that way in, in that development model for like sixteen years now. Okay. Um, I've got I've got one interesting question though, if you don't mind me ask uh, mind me interrupting here. Um, the the main difference I can see between you know, an, an Apache project like the web server or, you know, other libraries and Flex is that even though it's now a project driven by a group of people, by, you know, a community, there is still that necessary tie to an Adobe proprietary runtime, right? Yep. So because at the end of the day, you still need to have something that runs on the Adobe Flash Player or that runs in Air or in whatever, really. How is how is this envisaged to work, and how you know how much do you think we can trust Adobe to stick to their you know expressed commitment to the Flash Player for desktop and to Air for desktops, blah blah blah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, realistically, if some um, you know senior executive in three months decides to stop air for desktop because some shareholders, you know, don't get their mm -hmm. value out of it, it will go away, you know, and what happens to Apache Flex then? Yeah. Yeah, trust that's a difficult word now with uh with Adobe. <laughs> I think for everyone who who's gone through this like trusting and Adobe be became yeah different uh, after what happened in, in early November. Um yeah, so so of course it was um discussed during the summit and um I think it was the first time, at, at least uh, that I can remember, that someone from Adobe, and it was Mike Chambers, said that there will be a um, comprehensive roadmap concerning the platform and the runtimes and everything uh, will be given out by Adobe in early, like in January 2012. Uh, and everyone was like, wow, that's something new. And he made really clear, and not only Mike, but, but also some other higher-ups, um, that, yeah, okay, so they they said we're still, like, fully committed and we're going to move it forward. But as you said, yeah, when they could change it in three months. But now they really put pressure on it because they will bring out a roadmap uh, stating pretty clearly that they are still fully committed to the Flash Player and the Air runtime for desktop and for mobile. Um, so this is... 
I think new because I don't think there has been something like a platform or, or runtime roadmap before. It was pretty interesting. Um, so I personally think the runtime will be around still for the com the years to come, at least like for the next three years or five years or maybe even longer, um, because I really believe in all the new digital marketing stuff with gaming and video again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I really think it will stay. Uh, it will evolve, whatever. Maybe they try to get some money out it, uh, from it by, I don't know, monetize it in app markets. I don't know. Um, so that's that's for the runtime, uh, and I talked to to um, some people from the Flex team because I was like wondering, okay, so the Flash builder stays with Adobe and the Flash player stays with Adobe, and the SDK goes to Apache. How is that supposed to work in terms of syncing the SDK and the player and mm -hmm. the the Flash builder? Uh, and he said, uh, no, that's not gonna happen. And I was like, oh, and he was like, no, because like uh, we have the player and, and the the community or the Apache project could say. Uh, there is an existing Flash Play 11 right now, uh, and we just continue to support Flash Play 11. We don't care about the new features. We don't need to because we have this quite solid platform, and let's create an SDK that runs on it, something like that. We don't have to rush or to run for all the new features like we did before because now it's not commercial anymore, something like that, you know? So and for the Flash Builder, which is still maintained by Adobe, um, they even said that Flash Builder will be a bit like stripped down, so they're removing the design view feature from Flash Builder, which is like crazy because it's like how do you, how this is how you get people starting using Flex like in trainings mm -hmm. and yeah. you show them look like this, and then uh, in the end you don't use it when you're like coding, <laughs> but at least you can create all those mockups pretty easy and and then start coding, uh, and they drop it because it's too expensive for them to. Um, uh, to sync it back, like like to sync the SDK development back with the design view, because the design view relies heavily heavily on the SDK, has lots of dependencies. So if the SDK evolves, uh, Adobe will have a hard time to sync it with the uh, sync it back with the design view, like all the new components that could get in and stuff like that. And they're also dropping. I don't know why they're doing it because. Actually, the, the feature is working, but they drop it anyway. They drop the um, data-centric development feature where you can like generate code by introspecting services from ColdFusion or Java or whatnot. Um, they, it's also gonna be discontinued in, in, in new Flash Builder releases. So it's like maybe it's entering maintenance mode, and maybe they create a Flash Builder five with some new productivity features, but there won't be a new design view, or there won't be a new super duper whatever feature. Yeah. Um, so I think they they just strip down resources on the Flash Builder, but try to keep it as a product. Um, in contrast to Flash Catalyst, which uh, they clearly stated will be discontinued. There will be no new Flash Catalyst version, unfortunately. Yeah, I think yeah. the the Flash Catalyst um, message that wasn't really unexpected. I mean, I heard rumors of that happening already early this year. That yeah. basically people. You know, Adobe internal people were, you know, talking about like, yeah, maybe there's no, you know, Flash Catalyst 2 or Flash Catalyst CS6 or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fair enough. The product is nice, but I think they overestimated the market share it could get. I think mm -hmm. it just, you know, lots of people just don't, don't see the benefit or don't see a use case for that. What I find interesting, though, is, and I didn't actually know that, um, that they are going to discontinue the data connectivity feature in Flash Builder. I wasn't really aware of that. Because, I mean, I, I see I see a 
quite interesting use case for for that feature as such, you know, because if you just want to rapidly develop an, develop an application and, you know, you know, it's one of those things that is going to be around for three months or for six months and then it's going to be thrown away anyway. You, you wouldn't even care about the quality of the code that is automatically generated. And the code generation wasn't even that bad. It had so, certainly its problems in terms of the structure it generated, but it wasn't like totally shocking. But if this feature is going away now as well, together with the design mode, um, I wonder why people would then buy Flash Builder in the first place over tools like FDT or um, IntelliJ or mm -hmm. any other IDE, you know, which yeah. might or might not run more stable and quicker and is more lightweight, etc. I mean, what's the benefit of Flash Builder then? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Um, that's that's almost what Adobe wants. Do they want somebody else to sort of take up the tooling and then they can kind of focus on their their well, what they believe to be is a more stronger goal, which is the HTML5 side of things. And yeah, to be fair, that that might be true. You know, maybe they say, well, we have to support. You know, we try to sell Flash Builder Five because it's an Adobe product and people are used to the brand, and we introduce mm -hmm. a few new features, but they're not aggressively going for it. You know, if they mm. if they don't, then they don't. Maybe maybe that's the attitude. I don't know. Yeah. Will be. Yeah. Not sure. Uh, yeah. Still uh, interesting. So they. The main question is why they just just stop it right away. Like, why why do they keep it? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's was like yeah, maybe it's also a message, a messaging thing, a communication thing. Like, if they drop the commer another commercial product in that sphere, maybe they fear that it sends even worse vibes to to the world. Uh huh. Yeah. Fair enough. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... Interesting um, development, for sure. Okay, so what's your personal feeling about the future of Flex? I mean, yeah, um, do, do, are you, I, do you think do you still think it's it's worth developing in or worth making investments in as a technology? Yeah, I, I actually, if you asked me like two weeks ago before the summit, I was like, uh, I have no clue. I don't think so. Maybe just look look to all the other HTML five frameworks maybe something is something is there that could replace it mm -hmm. uh, and try to do something with flex still if the people still want it and now after the summit i'm pretty sure that um it, it will make some major leaps forward in, in in the future um from everything i've heard so far so yeah i would still surely and truly bet on it because like there are so many great plans not only like in terms of create new components and bring them to the SDK, that's the one thing, but there are lots and lots of smart people who are, have like yeah, knowledge in like creating compilers and languages and stuff that are very keen on, on getting onto uh, Flex and, and bringing it forward to, to the next level or how you would ever call it. Mm. And, I, and I think the lots of people in the community really want Flex to evolve to something like of course, we have the um, dependency on the Flash player. That's fine. Let's have it there for the next two or three years. And then in, in that time frame, let's ensure that the SDK evolves in that way that we can in parallel start something um, that ensures that Flex is like something like an intermediate language uh, that can target other platforms as well. So um, maybe, maybe uh, generating HTML5 and JavaScript code instead like of the Swift. 
the most obvious one, of course. And, and Adobe also uh, showcased the Falcon JS project, which is like very experimental, but still is able to cross compile. Uh, that's not really compiling, but yeah, sort of uh, turning a flex application into HTML, um, into an HTML application. Um, fair enough. It's like you have a hello world with a button and a, a panel, and then it creates like two megabytes of JavaScript files, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, but still it works. So it's um, pretty amazing what they did. Um, but it was only an experiment. But yeah, this is something like people really want to try it out. And there are other projects that also go their route where you have like action script and then you can click a button and then it compiles down to whatever. Maybe even other platforms. Yeah. Um, sometimes whatever. You have all the options now because now it's really, really open source. And that's a cool thing, I think, personally. So I really believe... I really believe in Flex still, even more maybe. I think even more than before. Okay, interesting. It's a very interesting opinion actually and one that is not heard that often these days from my point of view. I mean, I personally am sitting somewhere on the fence at the moment um, mm -hmm. and mainly because, I mean, the, the, the writing that, you know, Flash is changing or the role is Flash of, is, that Flash is changing was sort of on the wall for quite a while, obviously, with, you know, the whole Apple iPhone debacle and Steve Jobs not allowing Flash on mobile on his mobiles and blah, blah, blah. So um, HTML5 and JavaScript are certainly good technologies for a certain type of applications right now, but they are not quite there yet. And what I found, though, quite a lot during the last year or maybe the last 18 months is that less and less people ask for Flash applications. Or mm. you get asked, like, oh, you know, would this run on the iPads as well? And then mm. you have to say, like, nah, yeah, probably not. So we need to build something else, you know, maybe with limited functionality or different, or it gets more expensive or whatever. But people seem to be relatively keen on avoiding Flex and Flash, at the mm -hmm. moment at least. And that trend has increased from my from my observation since the whole adobe announcement last month last month basically so <laughs> for me it's more like a wait and see personally and i'll you know it, it's it would be sad if if it if flex wasn't successful because it is really a good technology but then you know if the commercial reality is basically that hardly anyone requests Flex applications anymore and everyone wants or clients want to move to HTML and JavaScript. That's sort of tricky, you know. It's like, well, you know, I can't blame them really, you know, given what... Oh, no. Oh, no, of course you know, not. You know, given what, what the, where the market is going and what Adobe has delivered in terms of communication and fear and FUD and all that stuff. FUD, right. Yeah, yeah. FUD. Exactly. Yeah, true. Uh, absolutely true. So, so uh, we see that we see it ourselves in our in our business. Um, not that much, maybe because it's like still, yeah, very very uh, internally deployed application. What we still do, yeah, exactly. And, and and not so much customer facing stuff. So for the customer facing fancy stuff, like we have a marketing budget and everything needs to blink and move and stuff. Yeah, don't do reflect. I think uh, if you can do it with HTML. Um, same for mobile, which is always difficult. Like we do lots of video stuff and, and video streaming. Um, and now you can 
you have you have lots of options now. Maybe that, see it that way. Like you could, you still have, you still have, and you still can decide, and you can still consult, and uh, yeah, have to make the decision or or try to to explain to the customer what's working best and and tell them yeah, use flex or don't use flex, whatever. But but if he already comes to you like, no, we don't want any flash, uh, then yeah, maybe it's getting hard then yeah. for sure. Yeah. Mark, Mark, what's your opinion on you know Flex and Flash Player and the whole open sourcing? Because being on Linux most of the time, you probably have your own you know experience with support of the Flash platform on Linux and Air on Linux and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't get me started. Um, it becomes look. <laughs> I think for the majority of stuff, I mean, there are there are things that are lacking in. Some areas of the implementation for the Flash Player on Linux, uh, particularly around like stage and, and 3D uh, acceleration and things like that, that I think work on some platforms and not on others. It's a bit patchy. Uh, but for the majority of stuff that I think uh, we're talking about here for business applications for Flex, that's not really a huge consideration. Um, I use Flash on my on my desktop every day and, and that's not really an issue. Um, so, so that side of things is interesting. I, I, I am interested and I... We'll be interested to see if um, we end up getting a flash builder for Linux just because that design view is not there anymore. And I know that was a huge stumbling block. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there was that. I, I would be surprised just because of the QA cycles needed to uh, support that. And also, I know there are issues around the Adobe licensing module they use in Eclipse. Yeah. Um, so I think that that'll probably also be a, a stumbling block. Um, and I think... I think a lot of those people who are already on Linux probably are already using IntelliJ or FTT, which I, I'm pretty sure FTT. Last time I talked to the FTT guys, which admittedly was probably about five years ago, they were saying that people were using it on on Linux, but it wasn't supported. Uh, I know IntelliJ works on Linux, mm -hmm. um, and they probably already moved to those platforms anyway. Um, but um, no, I, uh, let, me, let me ask you almost back to it, the question that um, there's a couple of things I kind of think of. It's sort of like, if a new developer is coming along, someone who's coming, you know, uh, a junior developer is coming up in the ranks, and would you would you push them more towards HTML5.js or would you push them more towards Flex development as a as a core competency? Where would you take that? I think, it, for, sorry, for for me, it would probably depend on the type of projects, you know, my company or my employer or you mm. know that person or my team or whatever is doing. Dirk was quite right saying like you know if it's customer facing probably Flash and Flex are sort of technologies I would use very very carefully because of their limitations when it comes to mobiles yeah um, and when it comes to internal you know like intranet or behind the firewall apps business apps Flex is a viable technology you know and why not going for that I I don't know. I mean, a lot of stuff in HTML5 and JS is hyped as well. Even that is if, you true. Know, when you basically ask, like, would you put a junior developer more towards HTML5 and JS or towards Flash and Flex? I mean, what what JS would it be? Would it be, hey, jQuery? Or would it be, you know, using, using a conglomerate of other frameworks? Or, you know, it's like, there's so much movement in that area. It's really, really hard to to decide on a focus. I mean, sure, you could do JavaScript, but, you know, 
what you use to build your apps, and that's a whole different topic. That is a whole different topic. No, that's that's true because then it comes down to what frameworks you want and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So let me let me segue into an interesting question. If if you could see in your crystal ball, say two years, three years into the future, what does HTML5 JS look like then? What do you what do you think is is going to be you know is it going to be where Flex is now and Flex is going to continue going or is it what do you, what do you think in terms of how that's going to all be supported? Because I know the tooling at the moment and the and the and the frameworks seem to be sort of just coming into their own now or even just being created now. They may not even exist at this point in time because of the take up. What do you what do you see two three years down the line? I don't know, Doc. What do you what do you think? <laughs> Actually, I was. I was in my 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 little flex niche for for a lot lots of time and and now when I like took a step out and and I said okay now let's have a look at JavaScript and all this stuff I was like totally shocked that the language itself and everything was like the same as seven years ago. <laughs> of course, you had like more like the the browsers are more powerful and you have more CSS stuff, but you have like still you have CSS and you have HTML and you have JavaScript like all the stuff that has been there for I don't know how many years and, and I hated it back when I did it there and, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's not even, it, it looks cooler if you have if you have a cool designer and, and if they're good programmers, but if, if you really need to do it, if, if you are the, the poor guy who has to, to develop it, it's like, oh my God. And this is like the current situation. Um, uh, so I hope that there will be a an improved JavaScript, whatever language running in the browser in a few years, but maybe not in two years, because that won't be that much or, or it won't have that far reach, I think. If like Google with Dart or whatever, uh, I don't think that other browser windows will add it to their stack. I'm not sure. So probably we'll have, still have to stick with JavaScript. Um I can only hope that someone comes up with a very good framework that does all the stuff Flex could do for you, but I don't think so, actually, because like new frameworks popping up all the time, um, and I don't see that HTML itself will offer something that that helps you creating those apps. It, it must have, it, it will need to be delivered by by JavaScript, I think, and, and thus uh, you, you need you really need a, a huge framework there, like XJS or whatever. Um, but, and those still need to evolve. Maybe they do. I'm not sure. Um, uh, difficult. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Eh? I mean, yeah. it's, I don't know. I, I see JavaScript definitely developing into the right direction. But, you know, like looking at the language, JavaScript, JavaScript now is like ActionScript, a mix of ActionScript 1 and 2. Yeah, and, that's the point. You know, some, pe some people like that. I personally, I'm not sure, you know, I like the benefit of having a strongly typed language in ActionScript and, you know, all the nice things that come with that. But other people basically say, oh, you know, that's way too strict and we want to have flexibility and a prototype-based language. And, that, you know, that's another fair point that some people, you know, prefer. Yeah, but but it, don't, don't you think it's like two things? So so it's it's the language itself and I I haven't seen it evolved, really. For years now, well, like there have, no, there have been a few improvements. I mean, you know, like um, there is that oh, what is it called? Um, the the native XML object that now that was introduced into Flex in Flex three, I think as well. Um, mm -hmm. That comes from JavaScript at the end of the day. That's ECMAScript for XML. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, Jason has made its way into the language as a native type, basically. So there have been a few improvements here and there, but the problem is it's just a language, whereas ActionScript is always being perceived with being a language and some components. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. And it's always, I think it's, from my point of view, it's difficult in terms of the tooling, like, the, the main issue I see is like you always, unless there's a really really good IDE, uh, but then again this IDE would have been would have would have been or needs to be capable of all those frameworks out there, <laughs> so that you can really take advantage of like almost anything. And this is a difficult part, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, unless uh, unless you go back to like doing everything in, in text made text pad whatever. And, and use the debugger in the browser like like what you do nowadays. But but it would be huge if you have some more integrated stuff. Maybe that's coming with with Microsoft because Microsoft is is betting on on HTML as well, pretty heavily. So um, and they're adding it to to Visual Studio already. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of movement when it comes to tooling quite yeah. quite soon. I mean, it has to basically, and probably the success of HTML5 and JavaScript and CSS as a major application development platform, you know, outside those early adopters and, you know, like very, very front end, uh, very, very public driven things will depend on the quality of the tooling. So, and that's obviously a market Adobe, you know, is going to be in in some way. But there are, you know, other companies doing quite good stuff right now. If you, for example, look at Aptana, that's a very, very nice tool for JavaScript development. Um, IntelliJ is actually doing a really good job when it comes to HTML and JavaScript. So, you know, there are things around you could use right now, but I agree, it definitely doesn't come close to the capabilities of Flex and, you know, Flex IDEs at the moment. Yeah. Um, righty, I don't want to, you know, like totally abruptly interrupt everyone, but we are already going for one hour and ten minutes. So I think we need to, you know, come to an end at some point soon um Ooh. does anyone want to do a closing statement like i don't know you know the future of flex is full of pink fluffy bunnies when... well i definitely agree with that <laughs> <laughs> i'm seeing a lot of pink fluffy bunnies possibly a purple hamster or two <laughs> really did you actually take anything this morning mark <laughs> i was up pretty early so you know anything's possible <laughs> All right. Dirk, any closing statement from you? Uh, awesome. Um, no, actually, yeah. Wait and see is actually the one option we can do in, in terms of, of flex, or the other thing is uh, jump on it, embrace it, and try to contribute. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think those are actually the two options everyone has, right? And, you know, if... There's a third one. Don't don't care and <laughs> leave it behind. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, that, mm. that's true. Um, yeah, I'm. I think I'm in the wait and see camp for another while until I make a further decision. And I okay. have the feeling you're going to be in the jump on it and embrace it camp. The first one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, fair enough. That that makes perfect sense. Mark, what camp are you in? Uh, I'm in the I don't do a lot of flex camp, so oh, I'm going to sit okay. by the sidelines with a little bit of box of popcorn and just eat it and just be like, let's see what happens. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good choice as well. I'm making something bunnies or fluffy bunnies. Yeah, it's just, just with my bunnies and do my thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, thanks a lot, guys, for um, 
doing this. Thanks a lot, Dirk, for you know spending your early Thursday night with us on a on a podcast. It's a pleasure. <laughs> cool, and thanks a lot, Mark, for getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and this is definitely the last recording we're doing before uh, the holidays. So I think we wish um, everyone, you know, happy holidays, a few nice days off, and celebrating whatever you're celebrating. And um, uh, there will be a end-of-year podcast with just Mark and I, where we... Oh take some sort of a recap of 2011 i think oh really we're doing anything to okay cool. yeah we talked about that mark oh yeah. okay <laughs> yeah we're going to do that so you'll hear from us before the end of the year probably but um that's it from us before the holiday break um just as we always finish with a um round of going through all of the people involved here letting you guys know how um, they can be got hold of. Um, who wants to start, Dirk or Mark? Dirk, what, what what details have you got? Like your Twitter handle and email address and blog and stuff like that. Everything. Um, to, 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 to Twitter handle is Bartson. Um, spell it, maybe. Yeah, maybe spell it. <laughs> maybe. B o r t s e n. Bartson. Okay. Yeah. No email. <laughs> just just. Sure. Just uh, Twitter me. Okay. I don't give my email away. No way. <laughs> no, fair enough. Mark? Mark, uh, I am compoundtheory.com is my blog post. You can reach me on uh, Twitter as Neurotic, as you can tell by the purple bunnies. Uh, Google Plus on Mark.Mandel or Mark Mandel. Just search for my name. You should see a picture of me. And uh, I think that's pretty much about it. Cool, and I'm Agent K on Twitter. My blog is blogginblack.de, and um, I've got also the awesome website of ventigo-creative.co.nz, and that's how you can get hold of me, pretty much. Cool. Thanks again, everyone, for joining, and um, we'll be back in a few days. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Bye.